The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. All we can be sure of is this. Zach Barry and Grayson Weir are hashtag not committed. I love a good train wreck. Hey, what up? This is Not Committed. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Joining me, as always, Grayson Weir. If this wasn't a recruiting podcast, we could probably fill an hour with uh, a critter cast because. Uh, I'm dealing with some critters at the house. Grayson, what he thought was a critter was not. But uh, we speculated for a good uh, week and a half or so that it might have been a possum. But we are here to talk recruiting. I am back from Baton Rouge, the Elite 11 regional down there. Talked to a couple Ole Miss targets. Saw some guys that are coming up the ranks, young 2024, 2025 targets. We'll touch on that. And then uh, in case you missed it, five-star. Nico Iamaliva is off the board. He committed to Tennessee on Monday. So we'll talk domino effect and then we'll get into some spring practice. Grayson, good afternoon. How are we? You know, Zach, we couldn't be better. We're coming off a fantastic week of March Madness. We've got spring practice starting up today. The pro day is around the corner. We're going to get to watch Matt Corral. Draft stock skyrocket here in the next couple of days. Uh, Mac Brown has, has been doing some big things with his, his leg, been getting some big hang time on his punts. So, you know, it's, that, it's, it's not October, which is the best month of sports for the year, but it's the second best month of sports in terms of pro days, March Madness, great basketball, good weather, spring's here, morale is high, and recruiting as well is going about as well as it could. So, real quick, what kind of shape is your bracket in right now? Well, um, for those who listen consistently to the podcast, thank you, first of all, for tuning in every week. Uh, you heard me a couple of weeks ago pick Kentucky to win the national championship. That did not happen. St. Peter's, who is now America's team, dominated Kentucky from start to finish with their, I mean, you can't even call them a mid-major. They're more of a small major defense Um underdogs covered last weekend. So I got to help them out there, but they completely busted my bracket. I thought that Oscar Shibwe's mom was going to be able to come in from the Congo uh, because of the whole NIL thing. And I thought there was no way that Oscar Shibwe was going to lose with his mom in attendance. His mom did not come in from the Congo. Kentucky lost. My bracket is in shambles. Hey, for what it's worth, Oscar Shibwe did everything he possibly could. He did. He did. Uh, nobody but if his else, mom was there, they would have won. Yeah. Uh, nobody else from Kentucky uh, helped him out, and uh, the Peacocks moved on, and they defeated the Murray State Racers. They are in the Sweet 16, taking on Purdue. Um, my bracket is pretty fucked. Um, <laughs> I think uh, everybody's is at this I, point. I mean, yeah. I, I've got um, Gonzaga and Arizona. Picked for the final four. They're still hanging around. Purdue as well. Everything just immediately crumbled for me day one when Iowa went down. I had them picked for the final four. Um, they lost to the Spiders of Richmond, who then lost to Providence. Um, but, yeah, so it, it, it's fine. It'll be okay. Um, all right, let's get into some Elite 11. I was down there in Baton Rouge, like I said, at the opening. Um, no Arch Manning, but uh, still it was a uh, – Fun event and uh, saw a lot of good arms. Yeah, let's so let's talk about just you saw a lot of guys, right? There's a lot of guys down there at the regionals. Just explain to those who don't know how Elite 11 works. I know we've talked about it in the past, but just a quick recap here of kind of the, how the Elite, election, Elite 11 is structured, who's allowed to complete, compete, how old they have to be, et cetera. Um, let's just start there and, and give the the good people at home who might not be as in tune on the elite 11 as you and I obviously are yourself, even more than I being down there over the weekend. Um, just give them a breakdown of kind of like what that looks like and, 
and how it moves forward from here. Yeah, so uh, it's a quarterback competition for high school quarterbacks across the country. Um, we talked about it last week. It was founded back in 1999, um, and it's been going since then. Um, Trent Dilfer kind of heads it up and runs it along with um, a lot of folks uh, are in the mix helping them out. Uh, Devin Gardner, the former Michigan quarterback, was there. Um, they had a lot of big names. Um, but it's essentially a quarterback competition. They go through kind of a combine uh, type workout. They do testing. So they run 40s. They do shuttles, powerball toss, vertical. Um, all that is added up and entered into the Spark um, that is S-P-A-R-Q uh, to come up with a cumulative score. Um, but it's good. I mean, you go, they, they, they go through drills. Um, they go through, you know, running routes with receivers that are there. Um, so they're throwing the football over the yard all day. Um, so it was good. It was, it was a good time. The weather was fantastic. Uh, we were at Parkview Baptist High School. They were great. Gracious hosts. Facilities were awesome. Um, football field right next to like the wall for like behind the end zone uh, on a directionally challenged. I'm not going to try to think about it, but the wall for one of the end zones is basically the third baseline left field line wall of their baseball uh, field, which is also all turf. So both facilities all turf. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's a great event. Um, Dudes were there from everywhere. It was in Baton Rouge, but we had guys from Texas, Alabama, Florida. Uh, there was a guy from Kansas. Um, Mississippi had a couple guys there, so it was a good time. Um, the headliner, um, I was there with Sam Spiegelman on three national analysts. Um, he and I both agreed. Ricky Collins was the runaway MVP. Uh, the Purdue commit, uh, he ran a 4740, 4-4 shuttle. 37 foot powerball toss and then a 37 and a half inch vertical. Um, but I mean, just what he did with his arm all day, everything looked pretty effortless. The wind was howling for about two thirds of the competition. So if you were going against the wind, uh, it was pretty easy to tell who can spin it and who couldn't. Um, he was cutting through the wind with ease, looked really good on the run, very accurate. Um, they ran a couple of drills where they were throwing fade routes or go routes hardly missed a guy, hit him in stride. Um, they started doing some really cool drills where they were working on um, some quick rollouts out of the shotgun and then throwing off platform, but also it, the drill was intended to be a quick read and in throwing into a window to beat a linebacker that's coming across. So you're trying to squeeze it in there for, you know, a quick little sit down route inside of a small window. Um, that was another drill where you could really separate who was legit and who wasn't. Um, he was great. Uh, he looked really, really phenomenal all day. Talked to him after said all the right things about Purdue and, and Jeff Brom and that program, but, um, you know, had to get his thoughts on Marty Biagi leaving Purdue, leaving West Lafayette and coming over to Oxford and Ole Miss. Um, he told me that he does intend on trying to get down to Oxford for a visit. Um, you know, like I said, said all the right things, said he's still committed, building a relationship with the Purdue staff and ready to get up there and get to work. But I don't think he's ruling out um, listening to other programs and, and seeing what they have to say and what they have to show him if he were to take a trip. So he didn't lock it. He, he hasn't got a visit locked in yet to Oxford, but um he said he wants to get down there and meet Lane Kiffin in person, talk to Charlie Wise Jr. in person. Um, and then obviously Biagi was, you know, the connection there. Uh, you know, he told me that he was the reason why he committed to Purdue. So that's a pretty loud quote. So um, could potentially slide down to Oxford at some point this spring or summer to check them out. Um, you know, we haven't talked about him a lot when talking about quarterbacks. I think Chris Vizina is the runaway number one target right now. Marcel Reed right behind him, Jaden Rashada right there with him. But Ricky Collins looked extremely comfortable in that setting. And um, a legitimate 6'2", 6'3", 185, 190, 
um, good size, and the arm was the, – the ball was jumping out of his hand all day. Yeah, and, and for him to come out and straight up say that Marty Biaghi was the reason he committed to Purdue is a very big statement considering that he is now at Ole Miss. And now Ole Miss offered uh, Ricky back in – God, it probably like around this time, maybe a little later in the year last year when Jeff Levy was still there and Levy was still kind of leading his recruitment um, because obviously quarterback, offensive coordinator, right. That, that, that goes hand in hand, but then now Levy's gone and Biagi's kind of tagging in. That's a pretty big development for a kid who, like you said, came out and said straight up, he committed to Purdue because of Biagi. Now I think he'll likely stick with Purdue. Um, I think he committed back in October of, of 2021 that's a pretty big statement to be committing that early but if Ole Miss can kind of you know get in that conversation there's a real opportunity there for Biagi to lead the charge and flip a guy who has been committed to Purdue almost six seven months now and, and at least pique his interest in saying hey here's what we got at Ole Miss and if Ole Miss is to miss out on Vecino, which I don't think they will, and Marcel Reed, which again, I, we both have said it. If either of them want to commit, Ole Miss will likely take either of them, if not both of them. If somehow Ole Miss miss out on Vecino and Reed, Ricky Collins could slide in there as that 2023 quarterback that they need to go get. So, very interesting there. Outside of Ricky Collins, um, I know there was an Oxford guy down there in Baton Rouge, Mac Howard uh, is going to be playing for Oxford high school this year, class of 2023 guy, six, two, 185, four star for the most part, depending on where you, where you look and who you talk to, they consider him a, a four star guy, but kind of a lower end four star guy. What did you see from him down in red stick? Yeah. Uh, another guy looked, looked pretty good. Um, Struggled a little bit early with the win, which, again, most quarterbacks did. It was brutal. Um, got some nice got some nice wind burn uh, while I was out there and uh, also got a little sunburn, too, because it was just perfect conditions outside of the wind. So it was like you're not even thinking about how hot it is or if you're going to get sunburned. And then, yeah, by the time I Saturday rolled around or Saturday evening rolled around, I should say, I was I was feeling it, feeling the heat on my face. But, yeah, Mac looked good. I think he's grown a little bit. He might be closer to 6'3 now. Um, on three has him as, at, at 165. I think he's a touch heavier than that now. But, yeah, he was impressive. Uh, again, looked the part. Um, a guy that was comfortable in that setting. You know, he's worked with guys in Mississippi. He's worked with uh, QB Country and, and those guys. So he's been through these types of drills before. So um, when, I, when I spoke with Mac, we talked a little bit more about his transition to Oxford High School than recruiting because he was really wanting to focus on getting to Oxford. This is his first week there. Um, Monday was his first day, so he hadn't even moved up there yet. Um, so I think he has a very mature approach at, you know, kind of like a, you know, quote unquote transfer portal you know, senior year where he's moving to Oxford from Heritage Academy. He's wanting to play better competition. You know, he told me that what Chris Cutcliffe and that program and that staff have done, he thinks that's the best, you know, football in the state, you know, being up there in 6A, he wants to compete against the best in the state. So moving to that highest classification is going to be interesting to watch this year. And look, regardless, I mean, on three has him listed as a three-star. He'll have his opportunity to prove his worth and try to get a four-star. Um, but talked a lot about Notre Dame. Uh, Tommy Reese is recruiting him. Um, still hasn't received an offer from them, but he's been up there. He's met with the coaches. He likes South Bend. He said that he was really impressed with, with their facilities and what they had to, to talk to him about. But um, Louisville's recruiting him. Memphis, um, Alabama, Florida State, Ole Miss, Wisconsin are in the mix. They're keeping in touch. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the, most of the conversation that we had was about how he wants to get in there, build a bond with his teammates, get into the system, get into the playbook and get ready for spring ball and, and all of that. But yeah, I mean, he's a guy to keep an eye on. I mean, he, he's played a lot of varsity football and now he's going to have his opportunity 
at the highest classification in Mississippi. So in Oxford, so he'll be right down the road. People in Oxford want to go check him out on Friday nights, but, um, but yeah, he was solid. Um, while we were at the event, um, me and Sam Spiegelman and, uh, another guy, Cooper Patagna over at two, four, seven, we were kind of wandering around the field watching guys and, um, and yeah, moved well on the run. Um, I thought he had some, some decent feet. Um, delivery was pretty effortless. Um, and looked good throwing on the run. I mean, they were going to both sides, left and right. So as a righty moving to his left, um, working on touch throws over defenders, it was impressive. So uh, another guy to know, I mean, they're, they're going to be very thorough and deliberate with how they recruit, but quarterbacks, especially with Kiffin and Weiss, they're going to really keep an eye on him as he uh, has his chance, like I said, to, to prove his worth at Oxford High School this fall. And he has power five offers from the likes of Louisville, Kansas, Utah, Houston, Cincinnati, and then a couple, you know, Arkansas State, Middle Tennessee, that type of stuff. But then, like you said, there's a lot of other teams in the mix. And Oma, or on three has him as a three-star recruit with the real potential to kind of rise, plays more like a high three, low four kind of guy, like I was saying there before. And I was curious to know, um, you guys didn't really talk recruiting. But uh, with him being in Oxford, it's hard to imagine that Charlie Weiss Jr. and the offensive staff there in Oxford won't just drive down the street and take a look at him, right? I mean, that's what you'd have sure. to imagine, yeah? And Yeah, it's, and they're, they're, they're keeping in touch. I mean, look, it, the interest is real with a lot of people. I mentioned, you know, all the uh, schools that are keeping tabs on him. South Carolina is keeping in touch. Um, he recently visited Miami. And then he's got a uh, visit set up to Pittsburgh and Utah. So um, he's got a busy schedule, but again, he was very focused on getting to Oxford, getting to know his teammates and, and working with them as he preps for his final season of high school ball. Right. And he's going to be a guy that's that likely rises over the next six to eight months. However, you know, however long you want to look at the, the rise in the fall season. Once he gets to Oxford, he's going to start throwing around in that offense that has been so successful in mm-hmm. recent years. He's going to rise. Um, it's just curious to, to see whether he um, will have to speak to him as the process continues, but I'm curious to know whether he considers himself a guy that wants to get in and compete for a starting job right away, or whether he would be comfortable sitting in a backup role because he could go start at, some of these Arkansas states, Kansases, et cetera, but might not have that opportunity at a school like Ole Miss. So it'll be curious to see whether he values that immediate playing time right away, or if he's willing to sit for a little while and maybe compete for that starting role down, down the road, knowing that in the world of the transfer portal, he could always seek other opportunities beyond those two class of 2023 guys. um, You mentioned to me prior to, us hopping on another guide from Mississippi that impressed you in the class of 2025. Um, you want to just tell me a little bit about what you saw from, from some of the younger guys who were there? Yeah. So I would say there are probably three youngsters that stood out to me. Um, Emil Piccarella, first and foremost, um, very sturdily built for, for a 2025 guy. I mean, I think he was, probably around 200 pounds, 6'2", um, really good arm, um, really had a nice day, spun it well. Again, Elite 11 is big on off-platform, showing the athleticism, being an all-around quarterback. Looked great, moving to his right and to his left, touch passes, throwing against the wind. He was impressive. Um, I know that uh, Spiegelman said he kind of reminds him of Drew Alar that was at Penn State or who is at Penn State, I should say. Um, but, yeah, he was uh, really – you know, he was a guy when we were standing there and, and you start seeing guys and you go, oh, who, who, who is that? And we start looking through the roster trying to highlight a name and jot some notes down. But he was impressive. Um, recruitment still very early for him, obviously, going into uh, his uh, freshman season – or, excuse me, sophomore season. Um, the Joe, the Joe Moorhead connection, we were kind of laughing about it. Uh, he's got early offers from Oregon and Akron. So Oregon offered him when, when Moorhead was there, and now he's the head coach at Akron. 
Um, but he's got the attention of some, some schools around uh, the Southeast. Um, he said he hasn't heard much from the in-state schools, um, but if they come calling, he'll go check them out. He'll go visit, he'll go camp. Um, but I think he's certainly a name to know. He's over at St. Joe in Madison. Um, I think he's a guy that's only going to continue to get better and, and to, you know, certainly potential to grow a little bit. Uh, I think he's right around 6'2". Um, and like I said, built really well. Uh, Roy Thomas Jenkins was another guy that stood out. He's from Beaumont, Texas. Uh, early offers from Houston and um, Texas A&M. So two head coaches at two programs that know a thing or two about quarterbacks. Um, really long, um, a little bit on the lean side, but again, he's young. He's only 2025. 20, he told me that he hopes to get to Auburn and Ole Miss this summer for camps. Um, said he really likes what Lane Kiffin's doing with the program. He likes Charlie Weiss um, Jr. Uh, he had some big time throws. Uh, another guy that was was whipping it around, and we were scrambling to look through the roster to see who it was. Um, he was impressive. And then another guy that I liked a lot um, was Daniel Beal. Uh, hometown kid from Baton Rouge, goes to Catholic high school, won a state championship, just a really solid quarterback, you know, still tons of room to grow for him. Um, you know, still a young guy, but I thought that he was as good as anyone, regardless of classification or, or regardless of year, uh, a 2024 kid, but, um, you know, talking to some of the, the local folks around there and, and Spiegelman who, is based out of New Orleans. He sees these players a lot. Um, he told me, he was like, he's just a winner. He's just got the it factor. He's a good, good, solid quarterback. He's going to be very smart with the football, not make a ton of mistakes. And that kind of came through that day when you watched him throw and you could kind of see in his game what uh, people were talking about of how just deliberate he was with the football and very calculated with his, with his feet and with his delivery. Um, so, yeah, he was another one that stood out to me. Um, so that was, that was kind of it. I mean, um, I mean, there were a couple others, um, Emory Williams is a 2023 guy. He won the accuracy challenge. Um, Alberto Mendoza, 2024 quarterback from Miami at Columbus high school where Henry Parrish went. Um, he was impressive. So yeah, it was, it was a great event. It was a lot of fun. Um, and again, I mean, these guys battled the conditions. The wind was pretty brutal early on. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. So uh, we're going to take our first break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more quarterbacks as um, you know, we're talking Mac Howard and uh, what he's going to do and, and his recruitment and how he's probably going to be keeping an eye around and looking at seeing how some dominoes fall. We're going to get into some domino talk. Uh, so hang tight. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar. They now have an updated menu with non-barbecue options from Tex-Mex to Mississippi Delta catfish to smash burgers. And you can contact Lamar Yard for your private events for the spring and summer. They have a dedicated event coordinator who will help you plan your event from start to finish, and they offer on-site catering. Weddings to Greek parties or corporate events, Lamar Yard is the perfect place to host your next party. Lamar Yard is Oxford's quintessential family and pet-friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than So Wild in South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two for one Moscow mules, all of that and more, the best and brightest in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. The show also brought to you by Memphis restauranteur Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. You can learn more about the nationwide shipping at irisetc.com and you can also book a virtual cooking class online at table22.com slash iris. Kelly English Restaurant Group in Memphis, Second Line Restaurant Iris and the Magnolia House down on the coast in Biloxi. The show is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over, see Cody Allen and the rest of the crew take on their challenge 
of the wide plush Zoysia fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. And we are back here on Not Committed. Zach Barry, Grayson, we're with you. All right, Grayson, we talked about it at the pre-show, and I just teased it before the break. Talking dominoes here with quarterbacks. Tennessee added a big one. Nico Iamaliva committed on Monday. Now we start to shift into domino watch mode, if you will. Um, the five-star quarterback going to the Vols as of now, committed. Arch Manning, what's he going to do? What's Dante Moore going to do? Chris Vizina, Jaden Rashada, uh, Eli Holstein. Uh, he was there at the Elite 11 Regional. He did not compete, but he was there. Um, he decommitted from Texas A&M last week. Um, he is starting to hear from Alabama, Ohio State, Florida, Miami, LSU, Oregon. Everybody's going after the four-star from Zachary, Louisiana. I think this is when you're going to start to separate the the, the wheat from the from the chaff a little bit here. Yeah, I think so. I think over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start to find out who's going where, because that first domino fell, and then now it won't be long before the next. I think these spring practice visits, um, a lot of the quarterbacks that you just mentioned, are all over the country this week, next week, um, in the coming weeks here as spring ball plays out, so they can get a better feel of what the meeting rooms look like, what practice might look like, how they might fit into a specific scenes, uh, schemes rather. Arch Manning was obviously at Georgia, had nothing but good things to say there. Um, he's at Texas this weekend, hoping to slide in an LSU, Florida, Alabama, and Ole Miss visit before he ultimately comes to a decision. Um, but like you and I have said, after being pretty gung-ho that Ole Miss was very in the mix, I think kind of both parties have turned their attention elsewhere. Vizina being the big one for Ole Miss. Uh, Again, I think Vizina will end up in Oxford when all things are said and done. I think the holdup with him might just be, where does Arch Manning go? Because he's looking at a couple of schools that Arch Manning is also considering. Uh, Dante Moore isn't really going to affect anything in terms of Ole Miss's recruiting, but once he commits, then that ball continues to roll down the, the hill, the hypothetical hill, and those quarterbacks are only going to continue to say, okay, here's how things are shaping up around me. Here's what I'm going to go ahead and do. Obviously, um, with Amialeva, Amialeva uh, committing to Tennessee, there's a potential financial aspect there. We don't know who the unnamed recruit was, and we don't know what undisclosed school it was, but a couple of weeks back, the report came out that a high school junior, the class of 2023 five-star recruit had signed a deal for name, image, and likeness worth up to 8 million with 350,000 being paid up front. Obviously pay for play in the NCAA era is still illegal. So there's a lot of trust that goes into that deal to make it legal and the school is never defined and the recruit in the report about the deal that was signed was never named. However, the timing of the Tennessee commitment from Amileva and the report coming out about someone signing for $8 million four days after Amileva was in Knoxville. Again, we don't know who it was. We don't know what school it was, but things are awfully intriguing about where that stands so now it's curious to see if that nil deal factors into the other quarterbacks and where they end up i don't think it will certainly not um with arch manning if arch manning wasn't the one to sign it for all we know arch signed an eight million dollar deal that is contingent on a commitment to somewhere some sometime so that could still be the case but are just taking things kind of the old school way. Chris Vizina's value isn't necessarily the same as a Nico Amileva, who, by the way, Amileva, quick, quick sidebar here. 
phenomenal volleyball player. If he wasn't a five-star quarterback going to play for Tennessee, he would be arguably the number one volleyball recruit in the country. If you have a chance to go check out his mixtape at any point in time, uh, that dude is a heck of a volleyball player, just a freak athlete that's going to do, I think, pretty big things for the Vols over there in Knoxville. But anyway, all this goes to say that the dominoes have started to fall. Every single recruit that is now waiting to see how things play out around the country are starting to get closer. They're chomping at the bit. They're excited to get their commitment done so that they don't have to worry about this process anymore because as exciting as the process is, the recruiting process is very strenuous on a family. It's very stressful. Um, There's a lot of weight on your shoulder that is lifted when you commit. So now that one has committed, the next are surely here to follow with for Ole Miss, uh, the two big names to watch, like we've said time and time again, are Chris Vizina, obviously Arch Manning, so really three names, but Chris Vizina and Marcel Reed. Um, it'll be curious to see how those two play out and when their timeline comes. Uh, it's really just kind of all up in the air and a waiting game at this point, but you would think that with Amialeva going to Tennessee, that gets the ball rolling and, and things continue to go from here. Would have been pretty cool for him to be kind of a, you know, crazy two-sport guy if he had chosen, you know, Lincoln Riley already has this guy and, and Malachi Nelson, but the USC volleyball, the men's volleyball program is more in the country right now. If he had gone there to yep. play quarterback and play volleyball, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, um, or BYU or I think UCLA was looking at him. There were a couple of schools yeah. that he could Long, have played Long Beach both. State is third yeah. in the country, and he just transferred over to Poly, so he could have been a – could have been a dirt bag. I mean, I don't, Long Beach State doesn't have a football program as far as I know. I don't think they do. No, I don't um, think so. But that would have been pretty cool because he's, he's an incredible two-sport athlete. I mean, I, I think yeah. he genuinely could have been better at volleyball long-term than football, but obviously there's not as as much money with volleyball. There's not as much professional opportunities, et cetera. Yeah. Football is the easy choice. I think the the one to watch right now is – Arch Manning for obvious reasons, because he's the number one player in the country. But I think that he's the domino that will really start everything else. Um, Sure. There was a, who was it? Garland Gillen of efforting. Based out of New Orleans. He's with Fox eight. Um, 12 year AP college football poll voter. So there's some credentials for Garland. Um, he tweeted the other day that Alabama, uh, they are waiting on Arch Manning before they take a commitment from any other quarterback in the class. So it seems like seem and look, I we'll take Garland's word for it. I, I don't know. I would venture to say that yeah, he is probably the number one guy on their board. Um if Arch were to commit to Alabama, that would certainly really shake things up. Um just put it up on uh, the message board at OM Spirit, part of on3.com. Go check it out. If you're not a member, you should join. Get on the message board. Lots of great stuff behind the old paywall that uh, you don't get anywhere else. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that would greatly affect Chris Bezina, who told Joseph Hastings that uh, Alabama would be his, quote, dream offer. Um he did also mention in an interview that even though it would be a dream offer and that he grew up going to, to Alabama games, that it's not necessarily a done deal. It wouldn't just be an automatic commitment. Um, you know, he, he said, you know, I'm going to look at everybody. Um, but look, I mean, that's, that's a big thing to say. It's a big, you know, feather in the cap for Nick Saban in Alabama, but, I would probably, without being in their meeting rooms and seeing their, you know, proverbial board, I mean, I would think that Manning's up ahead of Vizina. Um, but, I mean, that's the domino there because, okay, Arch Manning goes to Bama, then what's Vizina going to start looking at? Um, you know, Clemson's in the mix there. Um, Ole Miss is in the mix. Um, Georgia really likes him. Um, so what's, what's going to happen there? Georgia's quarterback room, we've talked about it a good bit on this show, is stacked. Um, and we've already discussed Vizina's quotes about 
Ole Miss and how it kind of sets up perfectly for him to go there and play very early on in his career. How big a factor is that ultimately going to be? Um, Ohio State went to a visit there, has an offer from Ryan Day. What's the deal there? Another quarterback room that is extremely loaded. So um, over the next couple months, you're going to have to really pay attention to uh, these recruitments and, and get to know who these dudes are, see where they're going, who they're getting offers from, if they're waiting on an offer. I mean, I think that that's more times than not quarterbacks want to commit early so they can start to build around them in that, in that class. And I think most of these guys have expressed that interest where more times than not, they're wanting to have this done, you know, into spring or going into the summer before their senior season starts because they want to focus on playing with their teammates and trying to win a state championship. Um, Matt Howard said the same thing. He said, you know, Hey, I'm hopefully committed by then um, talking about when his season starts. So a um, lot of, a lot of shifting things are starting to move quickly um, with I'm Oliva now committed to Tennessee. Keep an eye on guys like Arch Manning, Vizina, Jane Rashada, Marcel Reed. These guys are going to start trying to find a home. And like you said earlier, I don't think Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss staff are going to wait for, for uh, if if Chris Vizina were to call them and say, "Hey, I'm 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 all good. Let's do it." They're not going to say, "Well, we want to see what what Rashada does," or you know, "Well, Marcel Reed, you know, he said he might come in in a couple." No, like if they have a guy on their board that they like, whether it's Vizina, Rashada, Reed, I think those are the big three right now. Any three of those guys, they're going to take them, in my opinion. So for sure, one one in the hand is worth two in the bush, and and like you said, with the timeline of recruiting, especially in today's social media area era, these guys can can really get committed early, especially as a quarterback, and go use social media as a recruiting tool to got, try to get try to get other weapons around them, get other receivers, get other running backs who might be considering whatever school that the quarterback has committed to. That quarterback then can use himself as leverage, uh, especially on social media and the way that Twitter and Instagram and all that plays such a big role in today's recruitment era. The quarterback can then go leverage himself as, hey, come play with me. Look what I've done. I want to throw you the ball. I want to hand the ball off to you. Let's get this thing done. So that, that commitment timeline is earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier every year. And like you said, uh, the, the sooner these things start to fall, the, the more clear the picture gets. Oh, yeah. We'll have a ton to talk about as this uh, collective story continues to unfold. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to touch on day one of spring practice, give some early thoughts, and uh, close up shop. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Podcast brought to you by Protection Unlimited Incorporated, the Mid-South's leader in commercial and residential alarm security. Wayne Lowry and his team have been serving the greater Memphis area and North Mississippi for 50 plus years and would love to get your business and or family protected today. They offer cutting edge security for your home or business with video surveillance options and they're monitoring 24 seven, 365. You can reach them via phone at 901-754-6510 or email them at info at protectionunlimited.com. Podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals. They can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn more about them at bluffcityadvisory.com. Podcast brought to you by the Barry Home Team. You're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home. Call Stacy and Rick Barry today. They will lead you through the process from property assessment, repairs, staging, and putting that sold sign in your yard. Both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status, and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures. Call them 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421. After you have talked to the Barry Home Team, you can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They are dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. 
Find more information at saddlecreektitle.com or call them 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McCord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They are your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around, give Davis a call. He is ready to help. 901-755-6110 and get your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. And we are back here on Not Committed. Final segment here, Ole Miss started spring practice today as we record this on Tuesday, March 22nd at 1.46 p.m. Central Time. The Rebels got out there, got busy. Uh, some big news. Um, Ulysses Bennett, uh, Bentley the fourth and Kari Coleman both cleared. They are in spring practice. They are out there participating, so that was big adding a big time edge guy and a running back to get out there and get moving. Um, I did see uh, our good buddy Juco All-American pointed this out in a presser today. AJ Finley said that uh, some of the newcomers that stood out on day one, Davison Igbenosin, shocker, Ladarius Tennyson, and then, are you ready? I'm always ready. JJ Pegues. Ooh, that's a fun one. So, yeah, I I don't know. I haven't listened to the presser. This is just what Juco passed along. Didn't say what position. I'm assuming defensive line. JJ Pegues sticking out day one is, is, is pretty good for Ole Miss because a guy that has, you know, it, it, look, he's a – He's a power five athlete, he's a power five football player. So obviously I'm not throwing shade, but a guy that has struggled with keeping good weight on, bad weight off, moving around different positions, regardless of what he was doing. If he, I'm assuming defensive line, but maybe they put him at H back and they wanted to see what he could do. But I mean, pretty, pretty awesome that you have a guy like him at that size and that athleticism and at that level, day one already flashing. So that's good for Ole Miss. Um, but I mean, I think the addition of Bentley and Coleman is big, too, because you're trying to replace Sam Williams off the edge. They need somebody to come in, make plays. And then Bentley is just a, you know, just a cherry on top for that running back room. You've already got Zach Evans in the mix. You've got Kentrell Bullock. You've got Quinshawn Juckins, who enrolled early. I think he's going to get some touches in, in year one. Um and then you've got Isaiah Willard that's been there for what seems like nine years. Um, you know, Marco Blackwell's got a lot to work with in that running back room. He sure does. And and we talked about Bentley already, so I won't get into it too much. But having him in pads, whenever they get on pads, they're probably not wearing pads on day one. But having him in spring ball allows – that room to mesh better and and this this sounds like something that should be obvious but when you really think about it it it, it makes a very big difference having Bentley in there now to figure out the distribution of touches that's early between Judkins Bentley and all the other guys who are who are fighting for touches Zach, Zach Evans obviously being the obvious one but 
Bentley Evans and, and Judkins kind of being that three headed monster that we might see do something similar to last year. You get to see how that distribution shakes out better than you would if Bentley got on campus in August. And, and now that might sound obvious, like I said, but it really makes a big difference. You're able to get an understanding of who can do what in what situations, what Bentley looks like in this package versus what Evans looks like in a specific package and having him ready to go now, I think will be crucial by the time the regular season rolls around. We've talked about how that first half of the Ole Miss's schedule this fall allows the team to gel. All these players getting in there for spring ball speeds up that process. It helps the team get ready to where there isn't that learning curve, that early period of maybe trying to work out the kinks and figure each other out come week one, two, three of the regular season. You can get out in front of that now that all these guys are on campus doing what they want. And so that will be, I think, a, a very crucial component to the success of Ole Miss's backfield this fall is having Bentley there now so that it's not just Evans and Judkins doing what they do. You can get that third back into the mix and you can really figure out who belongs in passing down situations, who belongs in early down situations. Um, so I think that'll be very, very crucial. And speaking of the offense, we are a recruiting podcast. Uh, wide receiver Jonathan Mingo, who is poised for a breakout season. I think he's going to be the next. Um, I think everybody kind of the general consensus is that he's going to be the next Ole Miss receiver to burst onto the scene like Dontario Drummond, like A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, all of those receivers that have gone on to the NFL. Mingo's kind of next in line this year. And he came out and said today that the Charlie Weiss Jr. offense looks pretty similar to what Ole Miss did last year with a few new wrinkles here and there. Now, we knew that. He said, quote, we're still trying to go fast and score a lot. We knew that was going to be the case. We knew that there really wasn't going to be any massive changes between a guy like Lebby and a guy like Charlie Weiss Jr. We've talked about the differences between them before because there are some differences in those little wrinkles here and there, like Mingo says. But I think that's very important for a team like Ole Miss that has seen this success really in the last decade, but, but obviously the new page and that new chapter of success under Lane Kiffin, these guys that there are a lot of recruits that will be visiting campus over the next couple of weeks as spring practice plays out, who want to get a feel for what the offense looks like, who wants to get a feel for what the program looks like. They were being recruited previously by Jeff Levy, by the old offensive staff. Now that the new offensive staff has, has taken over these guys, these recruits who will be on campus and at spring practice can see that nothing has really changed that system that was so successful last year that quote goes fast and scores a lot is still going fast and scores a lot will be very big for, for those offensive recruits who want to see whether there are any new chinks in the armor, I guess, for lack of better term, in that they, they were excited about what the offensive did last year. How is the offense going to look this year? It's going to look pretty much the same. And so the recruiting for those offensive guys doesn't change all too much outside of who they are talking to. And I think that's really fun and crucial for these guys who – are trying to figure out what they're going to do next and what system they want to be in. They know that Ole Miss is pretty much the exact same where other programs around the country that have had a lot of staff turnover are putting in new systems, are putting in new offenses, are, are changing the way that they run things under their new staff. Ole Miss is just the status quo. We're going fast. We're scoring a lot. We're using a lot of RPOs. And Charlie Weiss is going to look very similar to Jeff Levy and what Lane Kiffin were doing last year. I think that's huge. And I think that's going to be something that helps Ole Miss on the recruiting trail where, like I said, other schools can't say that their team is going to look the way that it did last year come this fall. 
Ole Miss can say, our offense is going to look almost exactly the same as it did last year, or at least the broad overarching theme of our offense will look exactly the same as it did last year this fall. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, as we close up shop here, I think that that's probably the biggest storyline outside of the quarterback competition for obvious reasons. The receiver room has a real shot to be better than it was last year, which is wild to say. But, I mean, they had a ton of injuries a year ago. Mingo was not 100% the whole year. Um, You know, Drummond and Sanders weren't either. Um, But you have a fresh Mingo. Um, I think you're going to have someone like Braylon Brown that's going to be fresh 100%. I think he's going to turn a lot of heads in 2022. Me too. And then a guy that was forgotten about, just, I mean, he was not eligible, so he wasn't on the field, but people forget about him. But Jalen Knox is someone that has impressed in practice. He did it all. He was on the practice squad all last year, really, really jumped on film. People raved about him, his work ethic, how well he ran routes, um, and just really popping um, all during the season on the practice squad. He's a guy that's going to step right in try to solidify a spot in the slot. I think he has a real shot to not only be a starter, but to really, really turn some heads this fall. Um, so oh, yeah, I mean, more, bro. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the receivers have a shot to, to really, really, really surprise a lot of people. Um, and then, like you said, if Mingo is healthy, I think he's one of the better receivers in the sec. So whoever is under center, at quarterback for Ole Miss is, is going to have uh, an embarrassment of riches with what they have in the backfield and then what they're going to have it tied in with Michael Trigg and then the receivers. So it's it's going to be fun regardless because Lane Kiffin's in charge of the offense and Charlie Weiss Jr. is going to bring that experience of working together with Kiffin hand-in-hand on the offense and what they did at FAU. And I, I think that they're, they're not really going to skip a beat. So um, – some have gone as far as to say that they could potentially be better in the backfield. And um, I think the, the sky's the limit for them at quarterback, especially with Jackson Dart. Um, you know, I talked with a guy at Elite 11 um, who has been in the industry for 10 plus years, um, was on several Power Five staffs, and he was extremely high on Dart, um, even went as far to say that he thinks that his ceiling is higher than Matt Corral's, which is wild. Um, the term he used was perfect fit. So I think um, what he does, throwing, running, um, it's, it's going to be a hell of a combination with what they have coming back on offense. So um, that's going to do it for this edition of Not Committed. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll preview this weekend's junior day. There's going to be some prospects in town, and then we'll talk more spring practice. And, uh, hey, if there's any more dominoes that fall, we'll certainly touch on that. So thanks again to Grayson for joining me. Thanks again to you, the listener. Make sure, guys, go over there, like, subscribe, leave a review. It helps us. Tell us what you like about the show. Tell us what you don't like so we can continue to improve and and bring you this product each and every week. And uh, as we get into spring practice and head towards the summer and and get ready for the 2022 season. Um, But again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to the sponsors that make the show possible. And uh, we'll be back on Thursday. So until then, we out.